1: Learn more at Marines.com.
2: Susan Waldman is with us, the uh, partner of the great John Sterling on Yankees radio broadcast. The twins are in town just in time to see not one Yankee phenom, but two of them, uh, Tories and Andujar, Who's Andujar is kind of a surprise, huh?
3: Well, not not really. Andujar came up last year. Um, and made his major league debut in chicago and went uh, two for three at a home run a double and was it was unbelievable and then he did not have a great spring this year and uh, but alex rodriguez patrick had told me last year at spring training when he saw him, he said, look at this kid. This kid, Duhar is unbelievable. He's, <laughs> going to be a, he's going to be a really good hitter. So if Alex tells me that in spring training of last year, I kind of believe him. He did not get off to a good start. He was trying too hard. Uh, he also was learning a new position at, at third base. But he's got a uh, six-game hitting streak now and uh, eight extra base hits, I think it is, in the last six games and uh he really looks he really looks good he's got one of those really calm lovely swings that uh that you really like to see in a kid and still very young i think he's just 23
2: and glaber how do we pronounce it glaber
3: it's glaber yeah glaber Glaber torres and glaber torres yeah just turned 21 (laughs) and he is the sixth overall best prospect in baseball he was you know pretty much jumping out of his skin last night so i wouldn't take what happened to him last night but uh um, I would, I would bet you know at least a nickel on on this kid. No, he, he's he's going to be terrific. He's gonna, They think he's going to be a star.
2: And uh, he was tearing it up in uh, in the frozen uh, international league uh, before they called him up. So what are they going to do with the Wiley veterans? They had planned to play second and third. Now that they got these two kids.
3: Well, that's um, that's going to be interesting. I, I don't know about Andujar, but Gleyber Torres is here, and he's mm. not going away unless <laughs> something really awful happens. So the second base job, which has been shared by Neil Walker and um, Tyler Wade, so, well, Tyler Wade got, bent, got sent back down to AAA. And Neil Walker has said, he said yesterday, as a matter of fact, he said, listen, I'm not even hitting my weight. What have I got to complain about? Um, Neil Walker will, you know, has been playing second and been playing some first because we don't have a first baseman at the moment. Um, it's very interesting. It's very hard to play without a first baseman, second baseman, and third baseman. Have you ever noticed
2: that? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, the uh, Twins uh, did her for about five years there, but uh, actually Dozier's, uh, <laughs> Dozier's been a very good second baseman. But, boy, this club... If- if uh, the starting pitching uh, solidifies, this is a hundred-win team. I got to think.
3: Well, it, they they've gotten off to a really bad start. They're just now what one game over five hundred, yes. two games over five hundred, and have not been two over since the first and second games of the of the season. Um, everything has gone wrong. The starting pitching has not been good. The bullpen has get has gotten beaten up. Um, they lead the league in errors. I mean, just you know we're running away with it. I think Milwaukee might have caught up in the other league, but um they had eighteen or nineteen they've had at least eighteen errors already and um you know and Stanton has not been lighting it up either, so it's been it's been a struggle for them last couple of days um uh against uh Toronto, they' have played very, very well, and they're hoping that you know this goes from here, and Torres is going to be a big part of this.
2: Ah uh, well, it's uh, it is uh, quite a lineup, and I wouldn't, uh, as as I'm sure nobody is uh, said, shedding tears about the future of Giancarlo either in that ballpark. Uh, he you doesn't know, have you know to. What? He doesn't have to pull the ball there.
3: No, no, no. But he's not doing anything. Striking mm-hmm. out at an alarming rate. Yes. and really, I haven't heard booing like this <laughs> since since Alex Rodriguez was booed in Boston. I mean, that's how bad this is. Wow. And uh, he he has already gone 0 for 5, oh, 0 for 5 with, 0 for 6 with 5 strikeouts yes. twice, twice. Uh, and no one's done that in the live ball era, ever, ever. Well, so, and he did it on the same, um, he, he did it on the same <laughs> homestand. Uh, the guys in Miami tell me that this will not last, but... Uh, <laughs> I can. Ho- I
2: hope for his sake. It <laughs> no, that's that's brutal.
3: Oh he, my God. He'll hit the train a couple of
2: times in left center, and then they'll get off his back. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, we got uh, the Twins' new slugger uh, Logan Morrison, who hit thirty-eight last year in Tampa, is about five for a hundred right now. So uh, some of these big lugs uh, get off to a slow start.
3: Yeah, I know that. I, I kept. I said to somebody, and they were talking about John Carlos Stanton. I said. For 15 years, Bernie Williams never got a hit till June. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it is a, it is an amazing phenomenon. So what is the, uh, you know they they need another, uh, they probably need another really good year from CC and another really good year from Tanaka to to uh, be what they want to be, huh?
3: Well, I would think Severino has been tremendous. He had one blip in Boston when it was 28 degrees and couldn't grip the. Couldn't grip the baseball. Um, CC just came off the DL. He's been fine. Tanaka has been really up and down, and you know you never know which Tanaka is is coming out of uh, you know coming out of the pen. And he has to be one of those guys. His best games last year were one in the playoffs. Two against Darvish because it was gone on national TV back <laughs> in Japan, and you know, and, and once he got upset because Chris Dale was getting all the notoriety, and he went out and beat him two to one, and that was a that was a clinic. But he did that. He was angry that he didn't get. He said, "You know, I'm a good pitcher too," and I, okay. I said, "Okay, yes, you are." But um, he he can be either person. He can be um, the Tanaka that is this. Just cuts up with the slider, or he can be um, the guy that looks like, okay, well, I'll get through five and I'll leave. You know, and give up three or four runs.
2: Susan Waldman, Susan Waldman's with us. You know, Susan, uh, thirty-five degrees with that thing he's got in his elbow probably isn't optimum either. For uh...
3: you know, probably not. I think though, so, Patrick, the person they're worried about is Sonny Gray, who yeah. really has has not looked good. And he was great in spring training, and um, he just, uh, you know, he thinks out there. He's one of those that you just want him to say, just get the ball and throw it. He has great stuff, has not put it together yet. Not here, anyway. I mean, I know he did in Oakland, but certainly not here. And they need him. They need him. I mean, they went out and they gave three of their top prospects for him. And he is only 27, I believe he is, and they need and they've got him for a couple more years, and they need him to put it together.
2: Now Giancarlo hit two on opening day. What is John's uh, Giancarlo home run call? Do we have it, John? Uh,
3: yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's something in Italian that I won't even um, <laughs> that I would even venture to start. It's something like it means John Carlo John Carlo can't be stopped or something. John mm-hmm. Parlo or Paulo I don't know. <laughs> um it's, it's 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 raised a few eyebrows. It's you know, play all over the country. And um the other day he hit one and John sang, um, non car that yes, all short travel far, Jacques Carlo. That one I just cracked up. That one I loved a lot. That's one I'm not,
2: I'm not clear about. I think he's getting a little squirrelier in his old age, don't you?
3: <laughs> well, you know, it never started off like this. It was that one day when he said, burn, baby, burn, and then Georgie juiced one. And it was it, people loved it. And now people come over from another team and, and say, what, what are you going to say for my home run call? It really turned into something. He didn't expect this, and now so now he, does, he doesn't He does tell me what they're going to be. He sprung me the Stoparlo fire or whatever. That was the first one. He, he sprung that on me. I didn't know what to say.
2: <laughs> hey, Susan, uh, yeah, you mentioned the bullpen, and there's been some problems, but I, I can't imagine that's going to last until uh, Labor Day either with the arms they have out there.
3: Well, probably not. They have two guys on Tommy Canley and Adam Warren are on the DL, so that that just sort of uh, changes things a little bit. And you know, you need some length. We've had so far, um, I, I think Jordan Montgomery and Severino are the only ones that have gone six or more innings since the, since the season has started. And they're going to need more of that with two of the arms um, out of out of commission. The other thing is that there are there are some problems with Gary Sanchez and his catching. And the past ball bug has started again, so um, that's something that they're also working on. Little things are going wrong, and if the Red Sox hadn't gotten off to yes. whatever it was, eighteen and two, we'd say, yeah, a couple games over five hundred will be fine.
2: Well, uh, the uh, Fighting Twins just got swept in Tampa after uh, looking pretty good. Their bullpen was terrible down there, and uh, they are—I looked it up—they are nineteen and fifty in uh the two yankee stadiums in this century uh hasn't been a good spot for them to uh, No, stop you, know, here. you know
3: what though I, you know what everybody always says that and the teams were different this is yes. obviously this the teams were very different you know the in the um mauer and morno group i loved that group when when Guardy was here i just we got to be very friendly we saw them every year um and it was there were, I remember walk off weekend in the old stadium yes. and it wasn't like the twins got pummeled it was always at the end it was always 4 to 3 or 9 to 8 or something always happened to the twins i mean the first one remember they t- uh, guardy took santana out way back you remember that he yeah. took santana out and you guys were yelling at him why did you take santana out <laughs> and, and, but it wasn't like they come in and get pummeled and that's you know so it's kind of they lost. I guess it doesn't matter whether it's three to two or thirteen to two. But you know, I always thought that it just wasn't as bad as everybody thought it was.
2: No, and I've I've always said that uh, late in that uh, you know run there, I think uh, it was two thousand nine or ten, and I walked into the Yankee dugout one day uh, before the game, and even before they were taking BP, and up there on the back of the dug, uh, the dugout bench, sitting uh, in a row. Were A. Rod, Teixeira, Jeter, and Cano, and I said, I think I've identified the jinx here. the, the <laughs> I've, I've found the source of the jinx here. I think. Yeah,
3: so. that that happens. Yeah, that
2: does <laughs> happen. All right. Hey, we uh, you. Uh, I know you love Guardy. He's always been uh, nice to uh, you, nice to all of us. Uh, nice to see him get thrown out of his first game this year, wasn't it?
3: You know what? I, I saw him when uh, when uh, the Yankees played. We played Detroit about a thousand times in yes. spring training, and the first time you know, I ran into that clubhouse. I just, I hadn't seen him in so long. I must I practically tackled him. I hugged him so much. And, um, yeah, and and he, um the guys love him there. Miguel Cabrera calls him Skip. Have you ever heard of Miguel Cabrera? call no. Anyone Skip? They just you know they know what they've got there. They know what they're doing. But there's a man now with who gets kicked out of games and who ha, is sitting on the on the the bench that knows what he's doing. And we played uh, the opening series. We played a, a series there. We had a lot of time because we had a lot of Rachel. <laughs> so, um, I, I saw that clubhouse a lot. And there's a feeling in there that I haven't. I, they're, they're young and they're not very good. But there's a feeling in there that I haven't seen since Jim Leyland walked out the door, and it was really nice to see.
2: All right, Susan, no rain delays, and have a good series here. Thank you very much.
3: Not tonight. We'll see you in the big town when when we get back there.
2: Okay, thanks, Susan. Bye bye. Okay, the great Susan Waldman, John Sterling's partner on Yankee broadcast, and it's always a treat if you happen to be listening on satellite radio and you run across a Yankee game. And think of what she's put up with all these years in the booth, because John does every inning and she's sitting there beside him as the analyst. We shall return. This is The Ride with (laughs) Race.
1: Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. This is a. Bi- oh no! Don't let him go, son. Don't ever let him go. I got her. Okay, Monty, what is it? Okay. <clears throat> this is a reticulated python, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and it's a color morph uh, where we have yellow tan, but no dark pigments. And in my albinos, we have just yellow, orange, and red. Uh-huh. Now, the reason I got this snake is my buddy, yeah. Bob Clark. Yep. My buddy, Bob Clark, he's not going to bring her up there, Joe. Joe. No. Huh? He's not going to bring her up there.
4: <laughs> well, that's good, because Joe would be back here on my Joe, lap. Joe, you're
1: going to... You'll be the only one to backdoor yourself. If right, you hit that right. Speaker. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> I saw her in Bob Clark's collection. Okay. And I wanted her real bad. Now, she's really expensive. Yep. So, two dogs and I bred some pythons this winter. Yep. He had 43 hatch. We sent 25 of our babies to Bob. Yep. And he gave me this snake. How old is she? She's five. Is she a she? He's a, she's a beautiful mate. <laughs> no, uh, let me tell you a story, though. Okay, listen to this story, Joe. Look at <laughs> the size of this animal. How long is it, Monty? It's about
2: almost. Okay, a year. there's the great Monty Crysan oh. appearing on, uh, making an annual appearance. Joe got two out of him most years, most right? Most of the one years. One early, yep. one late. Especially
4: the last couple of years. And yeah. as I
2: told you, I didn't really know Monty that well. We didn't really have him on our show. But then Rookie started booking the show. And he overbooks the damn thing so bad that poor Monty was sticking in the back with me for about 15 minutes a day. And I found out his life story. And he's a great character. (laughs) And he's worthy of being the sports person of the day because, not only because he's a reptile king, but because in the late 60s and into the 70s, he ran a club in Burnsville. That uh, And uh, from what he told me, as I'm trying to test my memory here, we didn't really have a sign. It was just a building. <laughs> and it was a well-known building. Word of and, mouth is what we said. And say. You, it was a membership club. You paid 100 bucks a year to join, unless you were a stewardess. And there was probably a thousand stews living in Birdsville back sure. then, over the river, you know, living, a couple of gals living together. And this was when... Discrimination was rampant for stewardesses. Mm -hmm. You got to be thirty, you were done. You were out the door, right? (laughs) Uh, And uh, so they, you know, they the requirement was most of the stewardesses were single. They were living in Burnsville. They'd come in from a flight. They'd uh, sleep, and then the next day they'd have a couple of days off, and they had a tendency to show up at Monty's club, and which caused numerous. Uh, young males to uh, show up at Monty's Club, including many Vikings mm-hmm. uh, of that time, uh, who uh, enjoyed Monty's Club. And now, sadly, Monty and uh, Carl Kosolke, I mean, not sadly that they became good friends, but Monty was ab- actually riding the motorcycle. Uh, he was going to take Carl down to uh, training camp in Mankato because Carl didn't want to have his bike down there, right? mm mm-hmm. uh, so he was taking him down there. They were zipping along on 494. Somebody pulled out in the left lane. They got banged, and uh, Carl Kosoki ended up uh, paralyzed from the waist down. Monty also suffered uh, numerous injuries, but uh, nothing, uh, nothing that serious. They may- remained uh, lifelong friends, uh, Monty Kreizen and uh, and Carl. He just and Monty uh, Carl passed away a few years back. Uh, Monty just passed away this weekend, but. Uh, as I said earlier today and it's worth repeating for sport at the club, Monty had his first snake, a, a big snake python that he'd bought in yeah, Ute. It yeah. was Ute, right? Mm-hmm, Ute mm-hmm. Ute was the source of him of his love for reptiles. And this is during the Vietnam, the, the, the waning days of the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. But we had we had been pretty uh synthesized to uh death by then because we were reading about young Americans dying in incredible numbers uh, in this uh, senseless war. And there was a lot of cynicism and a lot of craziness and uh, drugs and everything else, not to suggest that there might have been any drugs at Monty's uh, Club no, in heavens Burnsville. no, heavens no. But they did, uh, when they'd get the crowd in there at night, they would throw a chicken in with a python in the big in the big glass case, mm-hmm. and then there would be some wagers as to how, how long, long the, the chicken, chicken would make might it. survive. Yeah. And this went on for a little while, and then apparently somebody ratted him out to Burnsville— and the city of Burnsville apparently allowed the illegal gambling to continue, but they had to do it with a dead chicken.
4: Yeah, which, you couldn't use a live chicken. No, no.
2: And and okay, people want to get offended. This is fifty years ago.
4: Right, settled. We
2: had different sensitivities. You know. And by the way, do you know how many chickens are butchered in this country per year per day?
4: Not a problem. A lot, a
2: lot of them. You know, a lot, a lot of them. uh and uh, so anyway, that's. Monty went from once the club folded. Monty just reptiles in the mid seventies became his uh, full time life, and he started fairs, county fairs, Mm -hmm. all kinds of things.
4: And uh, he really was the state fair though, because he was because his his place was a destination spot for so many people. And as Joe mentioned earlier, he was legitimately the only guest that he told Joe and Rook when he was yeah,
2: coming on. But the greatest thing about Monty was is every sports host in the Twin Cities who had a radio show out there thought he was their best friend, right. you know. <laughs> now we got Monty, my favorite Monty moment wasn't as much a Monty moment as it was a gutless Judd and Ricey moment. Yes, I love this. this year at the State Fair, we were looking what to do at the stage. Sure. You know, and it was a, remember, it was a lousy, cold day. I it do was remember raining. That. Yes. Yep. And we had 20 people there until I texted Monty and said, Monty, we need you. And Monty showed up with his guys carrying the cases. And he didn't bring his good he didn't bring his big stuff, but he brought a small alligator. And <laughs> we had him do 20 minutes. And he put this alligator, which. Like, looked like a large lizard, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and he had the nose taped, and he kind of held it out. And suddenly, there were 25 kids petting the alligator, running up four-year-old kids, (laughs) reaching up. Meanwhile, Judd and I were both like 30 feet back, (laughs) (laughs) hiding behind the table. And uh, somebody sent us a photo of that. And I will say this. I was 10 feet closer than Judd. I was 20 feet away, <laughs> you were more Judd brave was than he hiding was. behind yes. me. So uh, Monty will be uh, missed greatly at the state fair and by everyone who knew him. And Rook apparently uh, even was closer with Monty because he used to stop there and have a little snippet of bourbon up mm-hmm. there at the Monty's hangout. If
4: Rook the- wasn't either doing the show or working the booth, well, that's where he was was rumors, at the Lizard Lounge.
2: Rumors are that uh, Monty would do okay there during the 12-day round. Oh, heavens, yes. Yeah, he, uh, he didn't charge much. Probably like two, three bucks no. to walk through and see the snakes. But, but it was uh, one
4: of those oddity things that became kind of a staple oh, at the fair I that I you had to go back see. to the days yes.
2: of the freak shows yes. and everything else, you know, where, uh, you know, come and see the bearded woman and stuff. Yeah, we, we like we goofy do stuff. stuff. Yeah we don't do that anymore. No, No. the bearded woman. Highly
4: sensitive. Yeah, you know,
2: they would think we were taking him So remember, (gasps) when you're worried about the chicken getting eaten at the club, we had bearded women at the uh, state fair (laughs) we were paying to look at
4: 50 years ago. I got it. Things were
2: different, okay?
4: In addition to the ride with Royce at the state fair, we're going to do pregnant or not, (laughs) and we're going to bring back the bearded woman. No, we aren't. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: we aren't. We are not going to do that. We'll be back. Gentlemen, if you have not seen I, Tanya yet, you are missing out. It I saw your tweet. It is fantastic. Huh. Allison Janie, one of the greatest characters of all time as mom. Mm. mom was not what you she had some issues mom had some issues plus she loved smoking long brown paper (laughs) cigarettes that somebody said are moors I think they were more cigarettes Mm. I remember Mm. more and the guy who plays Sean Eckert the the fat guy that thought he was a secret agent (laughs) is uh, who's now dead he died young and and uh, lived with mom and dad but Mm. thought he was an international uh, strategist for a secret agency Uh, that guy's Fantastic too, th- and then the dialogue comes out of actual interviews they did with these people.
5: I thought I thought Margot Robbie was an interesting choice to play she Tanya was, Harding, but did she do pretty well?
2: She's okay. She's she's bigger, you mm. know. She's bigger and she's better looking than Tanya, but uh, much better looking. But yes. she she kind of dumbs herself down a little in, looks wise, and it, mm. but it's it's fantastic. God, who it who played you in that?
1: So. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
2: did not make it. They did not uh, they did not
0: show that, but uh, I, I I did not uh, make it, but uh, it's great. It's uh, really good. I had the choice this weekend. uh, My wife and I wanted a movie. It was either that or three billboards. Both good. Yep, Three Billboards was good, but not the most uplifting film, No, no, uh, in the uh, uh, there's the a
2: few more chuckles than i done here. <laughs> I, Although I Sam guess. Rockwell is uh, worth the price
0: of admission. Yeah. Man, is he great yeah. in that movie. He is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this update sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Dickie's Barbecue Pit, where the very best quality meats are slow smoked for 14 hours every day. Dickie's now delivers right to your door. When you're ready to eat, head to dickies.com. <laughs> Uh, The Wild with the big news today. They let go Chuck Fletcher, their general manager and executive vice president. Uh, Brent Flar, senior vice president of hockey operations, will serve as acting GM while the team looks for a replacement for Fletcher. Uh, Playoff basketball to Target Center again tonight. Game four of the Rockets-Timberwolves series. After the Timberwolves win on Saturday, Rockets now lead the series two games to one. Uh, Twins in New York to play the Yankees. Jake Odorizzi against Masahiro Tanaka tonight. Twins lineup, Dozier, Maurer, Sano, Rosario, Morrison, Escobar, Kepler, Ryan Lamar gets the start in center field tonight. And Jason Castro. Uh, A couple other Twins notes. Irvin Santana, according to manager Paul Molitor, is getting close to throwing off a mound. Uh, Molitor also said Trevor May is almost ready to throw in a game. Progress of those two pitchers, of course, could, uh, well, it'd be interesting to see what happens with that rotation at that point. Santana underwent surgery on the middle finger of his pitching hand in February. Uh, Molitor said he had conferred with athletic trainer Tony Leo about the next step, which will be bullpen sessions in Fort Myers. Uh, Meanwhile, May threw his final session of live batting practice today in Fort Myers. He'll appear in an extended spring training game later on this week and it
2: appears that all they're going to get is a moment of silence the uh, dead up in toronto after the uh, attack uh that they're still going to play the hockey game that's they're, as far as i've seen not there's been, no, uh, 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 has not been uh, i guess it's 18 miles from downtown or 15 oh, really? miles
0: from downtown but uh you know still you got nine dead so yeah they haven't released much other information about the felly yet either so i'm kind of mm-hmm. curious about that all righty thanks john you you bet
2: Collar covers the Vikings for fifteen hundred ESPN.com and he looks at tape for God's sakes. He's uh he is relentless. Uh okay, uh, we're gonna do this uh every day until the draft on Thursday. And I have identified what I consider to be areas of areas of interest starting with the offensive line. First of all, Matthew, what do you see this as a problem on a scale of 10? Where do you see the current offensive line as a problem?
6: Uh, I think that the foundation of the offensive line is pretty solid. You have a decent left tackle in Riley Reef. You've got a great center in Pat Alfline, And Mike Remmers was a solid right tackle, but can also move in and play right guard if you wanted to. Uh, but Nick Easton, I'm not certain is a long-term starter there, and you don't have a right guard <laughs> because Joe Berger retired. So I would say that it's in decent shape, but very, very badly needs a guard to be drafted since they did not go out and sign a starter.
2: So you see right tackle as a more of a strength if Remmers plays there than the left guard situation is at the moment.
6: Yeah, I I think, well, you know, I think Nick Easton that they liked a lot of things that he did and his athleticism helps with their outside zone running scheme. And, you know, it really depends on who might be available and where they would want to play Remmers. I think he's a solid right tackle, especially in the run game. But if one of the tackles, the top prospects, uh, or maybe a guy who's thought of to possibly be a guard but played tackle in college, if he turned out to be picked or was still there, uh, there, there is a possibility that they could look at him in camp and say, okay, Remmers, you can move inside because... They played Remmers at the guard position in the playoffs. And I thought Week 17, especially at the right guard, that he was actually very good because he's such a big, powerful guy. So there does remain that possibility.
2: Okay. what? How many uh, first-round guard and talent, uh, you know, and when I'm saying first round, you know, I'm saying top 40, top 45 because it's a, it's a choice of, uh, you know, it's a choice after the first 10 guys usually. So how many guys do you see as really coveted-type guards and tackles?
6: Uh, There's only two or three that are going to go in that top ten area, especially the guy uh, Quentin Nelson is going to be the top guard. After that, it's really hard to get a feel. I mean, there could be seven or eight different guards that that I think all are pretty good prospects, guards or centers, who would play guard for the Vikings that I think would all be pretty solid prospects that could go in the top 40 and and that's why you know I think that the, the Vikings have an opportunity here if they don't love someone at 30 to move down back into the second round that would kill some excitement of draft night but you know if someone if there are multiple guys that are still on the board there that they could pick in the middle of the second round they could grab you know an extra fourth round pick and up their odds of having you know future starting players so you know I think that that is a possibility, but I'd say it's at least seven, eight offensive linemen, maybe even more than that, that will uh, that are good enough to be top forty prospects. Okay, how uh, many?
2: Uh, what guards might have a chance to be at thirty? I'm not saying will, but might that they would have to take.
6: Uh, the, the one that I like the most is Isaiah Wynn from Georgia. He played left tackle for Georgia, and if you watch his national championship game, he dominated Alabama, which is not an easy task by any means. He's a smart guy, tactician, he's got athleticism, he's, he's the complete package, and if he was six foot four, he'd be drafted as one of the top tackles, but since they're not sure if he's a tackle or guard, it is a possibility he'll be there. The other guy that I would say is a must take is Will Hernandez from UTEP. Uh, he's just a monster. He played at lower competition, but he ate that lower competition alive. I mean, he's he's a guy that you always see driving players into the ground after the play. He's been compared to Richie Incognito for how mean he is. And also, he's a great athlete, too. He ran a well above average 40 at the Combine, despite being 345 pounds, at least for his position above average 40. So those are the two guys that I think you couldn't pass up if they dropped to you at 30. Well, how big is Win? Uh, Wynn is over three hundred pounds, but he's only six foot two, so I okay. think that that's kind of the holdup on him for for at least being a tackle. But he could definitely be a guard.
2: Yeah, a guard is uh, it is uh, strange. So what is now the minimum requirement height wise to be a tackle? You got to be six four. I think
6: 6'4", 6'5", but, you know, some of this stuff I think is a little overrated. They're saying this stuff about Connor Williams, too, out of uh, Texas, that he doesn't have long enough arms, and some of this stuff is just ludicrous, right? Like, oh, come on. I mean, if the guy's strong enough and if he has the right technique and he works at it, you know, I'm sure that he can make up an inch and a half on his wingspan to be okay, and Williams is another guy that's intriguing because of that, because if some teams are just passing because you aren't exactly the right that's a great opportunity to grab somebody toward the end of the first round that everybody else passed over.
2: Who's the Ohio State center that you like who uh, could play guard because they already have an Ohio State center in Mr. Elflandt?
6: Yes, that's uh, Billy Price. And Price is another one. A lot of the top linemen are like this, but he's another one that's a real nasty player that Mm. uh, played against great competition, and he is especially good as a run blocker. I would have some questions about pass blocking, but at the same time, uh, usually the the run blocking is kind of where you look for these college guards to see if they can match up with the power, and he could definitely do that, and he's got enough athleticism to get out and uh, chase after linebackers. So, yeah, he's another guy that's, that's in the mix, but I don't think he's going to be one of the higher-drafted guys because he had a uh, torn pectoral muscle at the combine when he was benching. So that might drop him down a little bit. He could be one of the guys that they decide to take a, a better, you know, skill position or something in the first and then wait for him in the second. Hey, what, uh,
2: so what was the uh, bottom line on Elf Line going later than people thought?
6: I I don't really know. I mean, I think part of it might have been his athleticism. He wasn't exactly ideal height. He didn't exactly run the fastest 40 or have the longest jump or anything like that. But maybe positional value, too, that, you know, with guards, their value is rising a little bit more. But centers are still looked at a little bit as a replaceable position unless you have a great one like Alex Mack. But, I mean, Elfline I think, proved last year pretty quick that he's not just a decent player, but he's a game changer, especially when he gets moving. So, you know, the 40 times and things like that, they do correlate more to success, but it's not like every single great athlete becomes a great NFL player or. You know, a lot of the subpar athletes do become great players. So I think that they landed a complete steal when they got him in the third last year.
2: They, uh, d- a defensive linemen, of course, uh, are famously the lineage of defensive linemen with this organization, with this team, is phenomenal. And it ex- continues today. But when you go back through centers, it's it's amazing mm-hmm. the way they've come up with centers, starting with Mick Tingleoff in 1962, who didn't miss a game for 16 years and finally made the Hall of Fame. And uh, I mean, there's, there's pro bowlers all over, guys who played seven, eight years. It's incredible.
6: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Elfline carries that along, too, and kind of uh is in that list of uh, you know, I watched a lot of Matt Burke too and Elfline, uh it's not just that he can move and get out on screens where sometimes on tape you'll see him running thirty yards down the field uh last year. So he's an asset for John D. Filippo to use. But I you know, I was really impressed with his maturity too and how quick he caught on and and that's a big deal. And that's one thing that you can't know when you're just watching these things or even when you listen to interviews with guys is how well they're going to adapt. But when you watch some of these offensive linemen who are really technically sound and work at their craft. I mean, they've been, I, and, and this draft has a ton of those guys. that You just are really impressed with how technically sound they are for being college guys, so they have an opportunity to add. But, yeah, I couldn't have liked what Elfline did any more than uh, what he did last okay, year.
2: Okay, Matthew, what is the difference going to be in the need for uh, protection for Cousins as it was compared to Keenum? Do uh, they got to be a little better? Is, Keenum, is Cousins a, a, a standing target, or can he
6: move around? Well, he can move around, but don't expect him to do some of the stuff that Case Keenum did, for better or for worse, a lot of times. I mean, Keenum, it's not like either one of them was fast, but Keenum was willing to roll out of the pocket or, or do kind of some wild, out-of-control things at times. You don't see that much from Kirk Cousins. And the one thing that... I would say Cousins is much worse at than Case Keenum is sensing pressure. Keenum had this great ability to feel where the rush was coming from and move. I don't see that from Kirk Cousins, and Cousins actually has more fumbles than any other quarterback over the last three years, I think, in part of that, in part because of that. So I think the tackles, especially Riley Reef and Mike Remmers, or if they draft one, are going to have a little more pressure on them, or John Filippo is going to try to work around that.
2: Matthew, uh, thank you. We'll do this again tomorrow. Uh, Talk about a different topic that I've thrown at you. Thanks for your time, sir. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Uh, Matthew Collar, uh, he covers the uh, Vikings for ESPN.com, 1500ESPN.com, and really does good stuff. Uh, Take a look if you haven't. And uh, you know what? He's basing his observations on actual Observing. Hmm. He's not just throwing stuff out there. He watches tape after tape That's after an
4: tape. Interesting concept. Yes,
2: it is. Yeah, uh, you know, it's certainly one I've never adopted, but uh, <laughs> it's a good thought, you know. It's it's a good, yeah. a good way to go, you know. All righty, uh we shall return uh daily complaints.
5: Manny Hill, what is your daily complaint? The Twins. Ugh. How do you go into Tampa? Look, they play 162 of these things, so you can't expect them to beat. You can't expect them to go 162-0. But come on, guys. Like, you get swept by the lowly rays. That was and, pretty bad. You know, I mean, you just, you know, Friday's game, especially kind of made me mad just because of like how it ended it was just frustrating with the the ball getting the ball sort of doinking off of the mound and went over uh I can't remember who was playing short at that moment but you know I just Come on, guys. you, you got to find a way to win What Well, it was the way that they win lost, one. too.
4: The uh, the bullpen completely imploding yeah, in the lineup. It's, it's, I mean, they did rally a few times yesterday, but on Saturday, they, the oh, lineup Saturday was completely terrible. shut down. Yeah,
5: it was just, that was just bad. That it was not good at all. But
4: at least now they go to New York to play the Yankees for yeah, four games. That, that should, well. that should go, that, yeah, that should go great for them. I still think they're going to be a good club this year,
5: though. Yeah, don't it's you? early. they got plenty of time to figure things out, and hopefully Irv comes back sooner than we uh sooner than we were hoping and uh they turned things around here's my daily complaint
4: sir Mm -hmm. i spent 14 hours driving to and from winnipeg uh (laughs) friday and saturday it's not about the wild it's not about the game it was still a lot of fun but it is truly truly frightening how many people pay very little attention when they're driving and they're on their phone yeah. I could not believe the number of people that I saw.
5: Texting. Especially when you're out when you're up north like oh. that and there's deer just jumping out in the road everywhere. You gotta be paying attention. It was
4: man. uh it was really, really sad to see that yeah. up close and personal for so many hours. Anyway, uh that's gonna do it for this edition of The Ride with Roycey, and uh we will be back again tomorrow. Jim Cott uh will join us to talk little twins, and we will also be joined by Mike Vec in studio from the St. Paul Saints. Until then,
7: we'll talk to you tomorrow.